1969, a third grade teacher in Riceville, Iowa, conducted an experiment on her third graders. Maybe you know about it. It became quite famous. She separated the children into two groups, those with brown eyes and those with blue and green eyes. And she told the children that she had read some new scientific evidence that showed that by nature, brown-eyed children are better people and blue and green-eyed children are naughty and worse. And she reinforced the message by giving the brown-eyed children five minutes extra at recess. After all, they deserved it. They're better children. And she punished the blue and green-eyed kids for any little thing that they did. And to her surprise, the kids really embraced what was spoken about them. Some of the brown-eyed kids who previously weren't very confident and good at their schoolwork, suddenly they had some new confidence and they actually did better in their schoolwork. And some of the blue-eyed and green-eyed kids reported feeling that they deserved the punishment they got because they're bad kids. What did we learn from Mrs. Elliott's experiment? We learned that by nature, we are people who tend to believe what people say about us. Maybe you've had the experience where you're walking down the hallway of school or work and somebody says to you, are you feeling okay? You don't look so good. (laughs) And if a second person says that, by the time a third person says it, whether you're sick or not, you're not feeling well. Or sometimes if we're getting ready to go somewhere, Nancy and I, and I maybe put on a jacket or something, if she says, you look good in that, I feel better going into the party that we're going to. Usually she says, you look pale in that. (laughs) I don't know why I just included that part of the... I was picturing us in the bathroom getting ready and I hear that. The reality is we tend to believe what is spoken about us. But what if there was someone, what if there was a being who created us, who sees us, and who can speak the truth about us? This is what Gideon experienced in our story from Judges today. He had begun believing what the world said about him. And then he encountered the God who created him, who had a new identity that he spoke into his life. Let's look at it together. If you still have your Bible open, it's Judges chapter 6, or if you've already closed it, go ahead and open it up again. I want to show you this story of Gideon and his identity crisis and see how we all can resonate with him and hear from our Creator about our true identity. Gideon had begun to believe what the world said about him. Maybe you noticed it in verse 15. Uh, Judges 6, verse 15, Gideon said, To this angel who appeared to him, he says, Please, Lord, how can I save Israel? Behold, my clan is the weakest in Manasseh, and I am the least in my father's house. My clan is the weakest. I'm the least in my father's house. This probably meant he was the youngest of his brothers and sisters, but in his mind, he was the least. Can you picture him growing up with his brothers and sisters? Hey, runt of the litter. You're the youngest. You'll never amount to anything. Gideon had taken this on as an identity. I'm the least in my father's house. Not only that, I'm from the weakest clan in my region. If there was a baseball league in Gideon's time, the baseball team from his clan would always have a losing record. I'm from the weakest clan. And then in verse 13, Gideon declares how he thinks God views him. He uses the word forsaken. 
We are a forsaken people, he says. So this is Gideon's self-view. The weakest, the least. And as for God, he's forsaken poor old me. That's Gideon. That's what he thinks about himself. So it must have come as quite a surprise when this angel appears and speaks to him. In verse 12, the angel comes to this weak, pathetic, least Gideon. And he says this, The angel of the Lord appeared to him and said to him, The Lord is with you, O mighty man of valor. This is how God viewed Gideon. And it set off an identity crisis where Gideon wondered which one of these statements is true. We all have things spoken about us, don't we? Labels put on us. Is there anyone here who feels like the least of your father's house, like Gideon said? Maybe you feel unworthy or incapable. We put all kinds of labels on each other in this world. Divorced. Unemployed. Have you been on Twitter lately? The labels are flying. You're too white. You're too black. You're too old. You're too progressive. You're too conservative. We will be labeled by the world by the minute these days. And we, as we learned from Mrs. Elliot's third graders, tend to believe what people say about us, don't we? But what if there was a maker, what if there was a creator who formed you, who could speak a true identity deep down into your soul? You might ask yourself, what difference would that make? Yes, I've heard the labels of my family or my coworkers or the world, but what difference would it make if I heard what God thinks about me? Well, what we see in the story of Gideon is that our actions flow out of what we believe about ourselves. That's how it works. Our purpose in life, our actions, our behaviors flow out of what we believe about ourselves. It was true for Gideon. When we first encounter Gideon in this story, I'm the weakest, I'm the least, I'm God forsaken. Look where he is in verse 11. He's literally hiding under a tree. What he believed about himself is that he's weak and he's the least and he's God forsaken. It led him to be literally hiding under a tree. He's making food under a tree, hidden from his enemies. What we believe about ourselves tends to operate in our lives through action, good or bad. Here he is, hidden. And this angel of the Lord comes and finds him there and has this dialogue with him. He says, you are a mighty man of valor. And then I love this. Gideon says, I'm the weakest, I'm the least. And then in verse 14, the angel says, the Lord turned to him and says, go in this might of yours and save Israel. Do you see? The angel doesn't even hear what Gideon was saying about himself. I'm the weakest, I'm the least. It's like God says to Gideon, you're the weakest, you're the least. Says who? That's what you believe about yourself. Do you know how things work in my kingdom? God often uses the weakest and the least. The last shall be first. Let's continue the story there in verse 14. The Lord turned to him and said, Go in this might of yours and save Israel from the hand of Midian. Do not I send you? And he said to him, Please, Lord, how can I save Israel? 
Behold, my clan is the weakest in Manasseh, and I am the least in my father's house. And the Lord said to him, But I will be with you, and you will strike the Midianites as one man. And at this moment of his life, Gideon entered into an identity crisis. Am I who the world says I am? Or am I who this angel, this representative of the Lord says that I am? This guy, this angel says I'm a mighty man of valor. But I've believed my whole life I'm the runt of the litter. I'm the weakest. I'm the least. And so Gideon goes into this deep crisis wondering who's right. Is what God says about me who I truly am? And Gideon is so desperate to find out, he's so desperate to learn which one of these labels is true, that he puts God to the test. That's what it says here in verse 17, where it says, He said to him, If now I have found favor in your eyes, then show me a sign that it is you who speaks with me. Show me a sign. Some of you who know your Old Testament well, you know what happens next. We didn't have it read for us today. But Gideon asks God to show him a sign that it's really him who's speaking. Because Gideon has to know who's right about me. My brothers, this world, or God. And so Gideon says, Lord, if it's really you speaking, prove it to me. And Gideon takes a fleece. He takes some wool from a lamb and he places it on the threshing floor. Some of you know this story. And he says, Lord, if it's you speaking, when I wake up tomorrow morning, could you make it so that the whole threshing floor is dry, but that the dew falls only on the wool, only on the fleece? So Gideon wakes up the next morning, and sure enough, the threshing floor is dry, and he picks up the fleece, and he wrings it out. And the Bible tells us that there's so much dew in it, it's enough to fill a bowl. Gideon has to know, is it you, Lord? Is it true what you say about me? So then Gideon still isn't quite sure, and he says, Lord, could you do it one more time? (laughs) But this time, God, could you make the threshing floor full of dew and the fleece dry? And God, in his grace, the next morning, Gideon wakes up and sees that the threshing floor is full of dew and the fleece is dry. You know, I learned this story as a kid and I thought Gideon was so bold to test God. I thought it was all about testing God to see if they could win the battle. But I'm reading it again now and I'm realizing that Gideon was in this crisis identity where he was just so desperate to know, am I who you say I am? Prove it to me, God, because I've been believing my whole life these things that are said about me. And from this point on, Gideon begins living out his God-given identity. I want to show you a little snapshot of this. If you turn the page over to Judges chapter 7, verse 17, this is just a short time later. And Gideon, who God called a mighty man of valor, he's now leading some troops in battle. And look what it says in Judges 17, or Judges 7, verse 17. This is Gideon speaking to his troops. And he said to them, Look at me and do likewise. When I come to the outskirts of the camp, do as I do. When I blow the trumpet and I and all who are with me, then blow the trumpets also on every side of all the camp and shout for the Lord and for Gideon. (laughs) Look at you, Gideon. We first met you hiding under a tree, cowering in fear. 
Gideon begins living his God-given identity. Greetings, O mighty man of valor. And Gideon wonders, is that true about me? Or is it true that I'm the pathetic runt? And Gideon begins living into his God-given identity. Don't we all want that? Can you imagine the freedom of living in the identity that your maker says about you? I don't know what people have spoken about you in your life. But if it doesn't line up with what God says about you, it's a lie. You can come out from under your hiding and live in freedom. Sometimes when I think about Gideon and his fleece and his crisis identity, I wonder, was it okay for him to do that, to test God in that way? And can I do the same thing? Can I put a fleece out in the yard? Mine wouldn't be from a lamb. It would probably be a North Face fleece. Can I go ask him to put dew on it? Well, the reality is we know something that Gideon didn't yet know. We know that we don't have to put God's goodness to the test because God would prove exactly what he thinks about us in sending Jesus Christ. We don't have to wonder anymore because Jesus came. Consider Jesus. Think about this for a moment. Jesus came into the world and he knew from a young age what his identity was. He's the son of God. But people said all kinds of things about him. When he got older, people called him a blasphemer when he said that he was the son of God. But when he was little, I don't often think about this, but you know, we imagine Joseph getting a hard time. We know Joseph got a hard time because people said, you should divorce Mary. She's pregnant and you're not the father. This doesn't look good. Who's the father? And Joseph got a hard time, but young Jesus probably got a hard time on the playground. Hey, Jesus, who's your dad? And he may have been considered a bastard. Think about that. He may have been teased when he was growing up. And Jesus could have taken on that identity. And he grew older and he grew older. And he had to believe, he had to trust that it wasn't true what people were saying about him. He wasn't a bastard. In fact, on the day of his baptism, the beginning of his ministry on earth, he was being baptized in the Jordan River by John the baptizer, and this voice boomed from heaven. It was the voice of the Father, and the Father declared his identity over his Son. The Father said, Behold, this is my beloved Son, in whom I am well pleased. Some of the people who were gathered there thought they had heard a clap of thunder. It was the, God, it was the Father's voice saying, This is my beloved Son. And Jesus lived into that identity, even when it was hard for him. Even when being the Son of God, being the Messiah, meant that he would get ridiculed even more. Not only was he called a blasphemer, but when he continued on his journey, when he continued acting out of his God-given identity, it led into all kinds of trouble for him. Soon he was arrested and beaten and mocked and even spit upon and nailed to a cross. He continued in that mission because he knew what his true identity was. On the night he was betrayed, he said, Father, not my will, but yours. He knew the goodness of God. 
He knew that God was his father and he was God's son and he lived out that identity. His, his actions, his behaviors flowed out of his identity. He didn't have to question it, even though the world was throwing all kinds of labels on him. And that's what God did for us so that he could look at all of us and say, this is my daughter. This is my son in whom I am well pleased. He's so pleased in us that he sent Jesus to die in our place. Now, as I said a moment ago, I don't know what labels have been thrown at you. Stay off Twitter if you don't want to be labeled. But we've all been on playgrounds and we all have families of origin, households that we grew up in, workplaces. We get belittled, we get told we don't measure up. We get labels thrown on all of us. I just want you to hear a few things from Scripture of what God thinks of you. You might even want to just close your eyes and and hear these words. Maybe pick one that you just really need to hear today. This is what God thinks of you. I created you in my image. I knit you together in your mother's womb, and you are fearfully and wonderfully made. I see your sin, too. All have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. Your spiritual diagnosis is that you're spiritually dead, a child of wrath because of sin. But I have reconciled you back to myself through the death of Jesus. I have loved you so much that I sent him into the world to die in your place. I bought you with a price. You are precious to me. You are no longer orphaned by sin, but adopted into my family. You are a part of a people. You belong. Your future is secure. I will bring you to a place where you will have no more pain or death or tears. I will wipe away every tear from your eye. And you have a seat at my everlasting table, the banquet of my love. You are my beloved daughter. You are my beloved son. And I am well pleased in you. People of God, sons and daughters of a good father, let's believe that about ourselves. Just like Gideon began believing what God said about him. Let's start believing what God says about us. Let's speak it to our children. I say those words to Riley and Eva every day. I say, Riley, you're my beloved son and I'm well pleased in you. Eva, you're my beloved daughter and I'm well pleased in you. I look them in the eyes and I say that. What if we all started believing what God says about us? Our actions would flow from there. We would experience the freedom and the victory that Gideon did. And we would live as sons and daughters of the King of Kings.
Amen.